One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Me, Ben Hobson. And me, Jane McGuire. This week, we're speaking with James Poole about the world's five hardest races. We've got ah, Gnarly. Ah, that's what that was. <laughs> terrifying. That was. Ter- a terrifying episode. James, hello. Hello. He's here already. I'm here. On a, as always, honoured to be on, the, uh, on my favourite running podcast. So oh, yes. Great, to, great yes. to see you all and obviously to speak to you. Is even better. Straight in. Um, Compliments get you everywhere. <laughs> Jane, you did the marathon this weekend. I did. Was it your hardest race? Um, yeah, probably was. Oh, there we go. Probably Good. was. Done. Any tips on how to fix my lower back would be fantastic. Oh, no. That's, <laughs> oh, that's next week. That's next week's episode. That's yeah. next week. Yeah, tune in next week for that. How, how did you get on? Well, you know what? I had a, I had a call with my brother the night before, and he said, quite harshly, you never really... I'm, a, I'm afraid of pain. I hate being in pain. And he was like, if you run... Whatever you do in a marathon, it's going to hurt. Like if you walk a marathon, it hurts. So you need to accept you're going to be in pain and just go for it. That was his advice, which is okay. against any advice I've ever been given. <laughs> so I just did it. I just went out there and tried to be in pain for as long as possible. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and it, that worked. Nailed. I feel like the idea is. I feel like the idea is to be in pain for a shorter time as yeah, possible. Yes, yes. That's what I thought. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go out and take it really easy for 20 miles. And then I'm going to try and go harder for six miles. He was like, nope, you need to just push yourself. <laughs> push yourself, push yourself harder. Well, is, he, is, he a co- is, he, is he is his coaching available nope. online? Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I think, I think he's right. I think, I think the problem, my problem is if you said to me, go and run seven out of 10 difficulty, I'd go... Okay, and then I'd probably go actually do four out of ten. I'm a lazy runner because I like, I like to take it easy. And actually, I don't feel, I feel fine today. So maybe, you know, I wasn't like collapsing over the finish line. Is, but, isn't there some sort of great, yeah. uh, a moment of pain for a lifetime of greatness or something? Isn't that like the sort of, you, that's <laughs> sort yeah. of like a poster? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like great. that. Great, great, great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I saw lots of people with T-shirts being like, "Pain is temporary, Strava is forever." I was like, okay. Oh no, I'm not going that far because it makes me feel sick. But <laughs> I see the message. Sorry if that was you, James. Were you, were, were you watching it, James? Did you, did you go down there to watch it or watching it on the telly? No, I was. I was down on the course and uh, yeah, down at Westminster for a good while. Oh wow, seeing the, the runners come through. And um, I mean, I guess for me. Looking, the, the best performance I saw was uh, Sam Harrison. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. With with an absolutely incredible run on a dip, you know, on a tough day, uh, and we stood there and Sam Harrison came past, and then obviously after a little bit after the the main elite field, and then we were like, where are where are the rest of them? But 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a crazy, crazy race. But uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant performance from her. So congratulations yeah. to Sam. The yeah. women's race was very exciting. That's for sure. Yeah, like it was absolutely. And Hassan, uh, it was great. I mean, I started watching her home and to see her then being dis- discounted at like five miles yeah. and then, yeah, to come win it. It was like, uh, oh, what, what, what great TV and what great, uh, what great running. Is she the athlete with the greatest range ever? You have to, I'm tr- struggling to think of someone who's as good over a variety of distances as her. Just amazing. Like, like Mo's got a great range as well, but he, he ultimately hasn't, you know, hasn't won Lon- the London Marathon, for instance, whereas she's gone and done that. So I kind of think it's probably like pretty exceptional. You're talking like your Bacaleys and your Heidi Gabriel Celestis and that kind of like, that's, yeah, yeah. And he kept Jogues, you know, like even... You know, he's he, uh, you know, ten thousand meters was still uh, his very strong performances. I think yeah, true. perhaps yeah. that's perhaps that's the the hallmark of a of the of the real all marathon greats is that they have this range, you know, ability to run, win the Olympics at five thousand meters, and then and then level up and run and run a marathon. I get, I, get, I think when I was, I was watching once they went around the corner, I was watching it on my phone the the last few hundred meters, and you're like. Just to be able to put that speed in at the end of, like, like you said, you get to, everyone thinks they're going to do the marathon and do twenty miles and then like unleash the nitro with, yeah. with six <laughs> miles to go. And all that really happens, as we all know, is you go, yeah, I can't go any faster. And if you, you know, you definitely can't go any faster. If you're lucky, you can maintain the same speed apart from that hundred meters where you can manage to find a little bit of extra. But yeah, it's to be able to put that level of speed speed on at the end is just insane. I also am obsessed that she was like, why do I sign up for a marathon? This is rubbish before. Yeah, yeah. And then one, like, that was just the best. Yeah, I'm obsessed. Press conference was the most, was the most, like, least press, least media trained press conference ever. Like, everyone else was like, I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to, my training's going to pay off. And she's like, God, I don't know why I've done why this. Why did I do it? This is rubbish. <laughs> That's the most relatable thing an elite athlete's ever said, though. I think yeah, yeah 100%. 39,000 people who are, you know, sitting at home, you know, yeah. they were watching it. Yeah. Every runner would be like, yeah. Yeah, good 100%. Point. Yeah, you're my hero. What, what was I thinking? Yeah. Well, look. Should we should we go on? Should we get on to the? Yeah, because uh... I think that like the mar- we we talk about the marathon because that's probably the most relatable benchmark of hardness when it comes to yeah, this sort of average runner's approach to running and and taking on a marathon is incredibly hard. I think it it kind of gets a little bit diluted in sort of around this time of year and the rhetoric around how many people do it and all these other. But a marathon is really really hard. Like it's a long way to go. But what we're going to talk about is sort of above and beyond that, which is these sort of like, I don't know, we're going to break it down into why we consider them so hard. But these are the sort of five hard races. James, you've probably done them all. Um, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've done one of, the, of my little list here. All right, but, this um, is good. Yeah, yeah. But I would qualify. And I think it's a really good point to qualify. I actually think the marath- to run a good marathon, and, that, and that's obviously relative to your experience and your fitness, to do it right, and finish that marathon having met your potential on that day is actually one of the hardest things to do because it's a it's, and, and I love that because you know I love the marathon that just for that reason because it's the perfect blend between speed and endurance you, know, you have to run quite a long way 26 miles is quite a long way at quite a fast pace you know and if it goes wrong it does go wrong but I have personal experience gone wrong many many times you know, it's that it feels like if you go wrong at 20 miles, it feels like the next six miles takes about the same time as the previous 20. It's just so hard. And it, it's I think, you you know, it's such a knife edge between going too going too hard early in the first half and then and then blowing up in the second half or not going hard enough in the first half and leaving some time on the road. And that that delicate balance, which is why before we go into the, the 
crazy hard races. I think it is still one of the hardest things to get right as an amateur runner. For sure. And I think you get it wrong more often than you get it right. I was, I was thinking about like, uh, what what is it that makes a race hard? And I think distance is one thing, isn't it? But it's probably not the only thing at all. Cutoffs feel like that feels like another thing that makes something difficult. Maybe terrain and finally weather conditions. I think maybe those are the sort of four that you kind of factor in. Hundred percent. That would be the sort of you know, yeah. I mean, that those. I was thinking the same thing. What makes something more hard than the other? And without wishing to leap into it, I'm just going to the elephant in the room, which I'm going to cover right now, is I'm not going to talk a marathon to start <laughs> other than right now to say it's 100 percent not the hardest race in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry if you're listening. You've done it, and you and you love the hyperbole because that's how they sell it. The hardest foot race in the world. Not even close. Okay. okay. Well, hit us with the first one then. Yeah. So let's go with my first. These are in no particular order, but I think we should start with the last annual Vol State, which again, these are all quite a little bit off the, as you might expect from me, a little bit off the beaten track, pun intended. Um, but the last annual Vol State. What is it for people like me who have no idea what you're going on about? <laughs> I'm glad you asked because I'm, I really want to tell you. It's basically this insane ro- road race from um, Dorena Landing in Missouri castle rock in georgia so it's a u.s race it's organized by um lazarus lake gary cantrell famously of the barclay marathon and it's another one of those sort of crazy races that, that, that just is there and exists but it's 500 kilometers and it's held in Whoa. july so it's hot and they they have they have two categories for entry one is crude fairly obvious you have a crew the other is screwed Oh, nice. which I love yeah. <laughs> basically unsurprisingly it doesn't have a crew and this race goes through you know some of the hottest parts of the deep south in in the US uh, it's largely on the road you if you're self-supported you're sleeping like a hobo rough um it doesn't really I don't think it has anything of any note I mean it's like uncharacteristically hot and and pointless Right, yeah. and yeah. You, and you, I think even the start, you go to this Dorena Landing is in Missouri, and the only reason you get you get a ferry over the river to this point, at which point the race starts, and then you get the ferry back over to where you came from. <laughs> and I think it's just so they can add an extra state yeah. to the race. It's that That's sort brilliant. of stupidity that I, I kind of love, but 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 super hot. I mean, like in the hundred hundred plus degrees, um, no shade. Uh, if you're self-supported apparently the the thing to watch out for is is dead armadillos i know from someone who's done it they crunch apparently when the cars run over them oh wow that sounds horrible that is bleak <laughs> it's, it's a bleak, it's a it bleak, like a bleak, bleak race. race so this that's think, like stepping on a water bottle but times a million <laughs> and it, and it was, once it was live and i think they just get they're everywhere and they get run over by the cars in in a typical sort of barclay marathons gary cantrell race when you get there, you just get like a, a warm handshake or something and that's it and you're done. This is quite a good one to start with because it's it's a sense of attrition with, that you're getting from these sorts of things. So the hardness comes from a, the, the combination of distance and conditions, all right? I mean, so if, even if you're crude, right? So let's say, take it that you're going to go crude. So you don't have to sort of the self-sufficient bit. You can kind of slightly less arduous because you kind of have a crew and all those things. But this is just like... You versus time and the environment. It's not particularly, it hasn't got lots of climbing, hasn't got lots of, the terrain is on the road. So it's not like, the terrain isn't difficult. I guess, yeah, all those criteria, it's got 
a lot of distance and a lot of heat. And that's what makes it super hard. How about boredom, James? Do you think boredom comes into this? Because uh, I often think like something like a canal race, and this is like, like that times times 10, is more difficult than a kind of changing landscape. Whereas this sounds like you're just going on a kind of hot road in the deep south of the US. <laughs> I think that would mentally be very difficult to sort of carry on. Someone said to me that, I, that when I was when we, we spoke last week and then I spoke to you about some of these races, they said it was like breathing through a straw on this race. Oh, right. Because of the, <laughs> that is like, how thick the air is. It's humidity like, and like really thick um but, but yeah i mean all of these long distance things you have to be comfortable in with your own company and and maybe have a screw loose and probably <laughs> and probably be able to cope with the boredom i, I mean I, I think you know i was um the uh, there were some big records that went on saturday at the centurion 100 mile track you know but if there's something for boredom running around a 400 meter rubber ring on the 24 hours and the 48 hour track i mean that would just be how do you what do you what do you do you come around you say thanks to everybody every two minutes i mean <laughs> or do you just ignore people i mean i haven't done one and i, I and it's kind of it, it's not i'm not sure it's an itch i really want to scratch but um yeah. no, but I'm yeah there, there is a there is a sense of monotony of the of all of, of the ones coming up i think just because of the distance yeah well what, what's next what's next on the list then all right, I'm going to pick another one. Um, I think this one's probably the hardest race you're ever going to do. The Iditarod Trail Invitational. <laughs> I've heard about you know this yeah. race. It's like you've got a sled, haven't you? You're going across like the Arctic and on a, a thousand sled. miles. <laughs> a thousand miles. I mean, that's not. That... This sounds like an expedition. <laughs> this doesn't sound like. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the Invitational for a good reason, right? And and do you know what? But if you a bit like having the half marathon, if you're not up for the half marathon, the good news is. Yeah. they've got a shorter one oh, and good. it's only 350 miles oh that's fine then so oh yeah do that um, the sprint the sprint yeah but i mean but, but you know this going back to our kind of criteria so this one is like really long it's in it's in alaska so it's like completely off the off the grid it goes down to like minus 40 degrees or something at at night and there's wind I mean, just to give you an example, it took the last the last time it was on 20, 2020, 2022, 22 days, 22 hours to finish the thing. But- How do you get that much time off work? <laughs> <laughs> what do these people do? That, that's it. I think Jay. they'll just do this, yeah, and then, and then make a career out of speaking at dinners or something. I think that's probably what you do. Yeah. How much running does that have in it? Like, theoretically, like, that's my, that would be my one sort of just because of like snow well, those and you pull a, they pull a sled yeah. because they literally you have to be self-supported mm. uh, and in fact to look when i looked at the qualifying rate the races you need to do to be the the, the nine or ten races that they suggested yeah you need to be able need to have done yeah are all are all harder than anything else i've got on this <laughs> so we could do a whole we could do a whole episode on the, the, the nine hard races you need to do to get into this very hard race so that's how ridiculous it is it's, but, i think it's, it's, it's an interesting point though ben about because i think something like say like the spine might make it onto most people's list and i think there's a case on my for the list, spine yeah. um but i also know that someone did the spine once and they just walked it the whole thing they, and obviously probably didn't sleep very much and i'm not saying it makes it like makes it not hard but i think there's something about if you if you can complete this thing without having to run at all, does that in any way make it a little bit easier or like less gnarly? What do you think? Uh, well, I can speak having having now done this, the Speed Project solo twice, which is 500 kilometers. In 2022, I did it with a film crew 
so some support, but the intention wasn't for them to be my crew. They were just there. Uh, and then this year I did it self-supported. So everything I needed for 300 miles was on in a backpack. Um, but I can use, I could use, the rules allow you to use things that are available to everybody. So you can use gas stations and convenience stores and, and motels and hotels. If they're, you know, if they're available to everybody, they're available to you. And the, the honest answer is, is that all of these long distance things, probably over 100 miles, that they're more and more about fast walking. Because you, personally, when I, when I think about these things, it's like if I go, if I run fast, I need to put more energy back in because I use more energy. It will take more toll on my, and I say fast, let's just say, you know, casual, easy running for as long as you can. You still have to put in the calories that you expend. It still makes you more tired physically and it causes damage to, to your muscles. You have to weigh up this idea of like, if I go really fast, then I need more calories and I need more sleep and I need more, and, and I'm going to cause more damage. So maybe I should go slower. It's a very sort of um, classic hare and tortoise thing. And people do race on. And most of the people, particularly at the speed project, a lot of people go very fast to 150 miles and then they're done because it caused so much physical damage to their bodies in that 150 miles that they, they get tendonitis or they get a muscle tear or they get some you know, a stress fracture. So you end up just, it's just a very measured movement. It is movement. And it's, you run when you can, you hike when you, if it's steep, you walk a load. I mean, like you walk and you eat, but you also build the skills to be able to walk at pretty close to five miles an hour. And that's a 12 minute mile running, but you can walk it. You know, it is it is fast walking? It's, and, and so, you know, again, what's running? And again, it's you know, is there a threat? Is is ten minute miles the? And again, stay careful to to not to upset people who have done the London Marathon in six seven hours this weekend or eight hours. And there's nothing there's nothing around wrong with that at all. But you know, the measurement of running versus walking. But it's it, it, it's more about a calculation in your head, a mindset of that you. You, you, you want to get the thing done as quickly as possible. So if you could run, you would. But that's not often the most sensible approach is to, you know, is to start running a, you know, a PB for 5K in, in the, in yeah, the first yeah, five no, kilometers. 5K <laughs> PB, yeah. 495 <laughs> kilometers of death. Yeah, and, yeah, and, then you, death. and then you're thinking, yeah, it's quite a long way to go. I've only, exactly. only got to do that. I've only got to do another uh, 99 park runs and I'm, and I'm there. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, well, what's there? What's third? What's third on the list, Ed? The one I have done, Hong Kong four trails. Oh yeah, okay. Which, which I will qualify to say I started, and sadly I didn't finish. Um, this one is is a brilliant race, um, off the grid, unsanctioned, unsanctioned. Kind of, I think the, one of the brilliant parts of running is when the, you know somebody find, has a great idea to do this race, and it started um, with the guy doing it over Andre. He's a German guy who lives in Hong Kong. Did the race. Did, did four, the four trails of Hong Kong in the reverse direction to the way that most people do them uh, and did them in four days. And then over time, he did them. He made a, a race to do them in, in one go. And what's so brilliant about this race is that not only do you have to do the trail, you then have to get to the next one. And that's included in your time. And so you have to use public transport. You can use, if you have a, people there to meet you, you have to, you can use a taxi or a per private car or, and the last trail Go, going on to um, Lantau is on a boat. So if you miss ferry time, you don't, you, you, and the 60 hours is the finisher's 
uh, time to do the, the 300 kilometers of trails. So if you miss yeah. that ferry and it happens, you don't make, you can't, you haven't got enough time to run the final trail and you don't do it because you missed the connection. So it's got these extra more, make things, making it more difficult, which is kind of why it's on my list of hard races because it's 300 kilometers, which is a long way, of course. It's got a, it's got a lot of elevation. It's got a lot of steps. Uh, it's, and it's in February, held over Chinese New Year. It's, humidity is insane. Uh, when, I, when I ran, I was, my, my running singlet was stuck to me in the first five kilometers, and I dropped out at like 130 kilometers, and it hadn't, I'd never cooled off. I'd never dried up. I was just stuck, and I was just sweating. And that, that, uh, if you were running humidity where you just never get cool, the moisture never comes off your skin. It's just, you just feel slimy. And time. you must be get. I mean, that must be when dehydration and stuff really become a massive issue because yeah. you're just it's just pouring out of you, right? Yeah, and 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 you know, one of the things that makes it a little bit easier is there's a lot of like places along the way where you can get water. There's a lot of vending machines, and you buy an octopus card in Hong Kong, and you put loads of money on it, and you just tap these vending machines. But one of the mistakes I made actually was was that I felt so hot all the time that I was drinking like Lipton iced tea, which is everywhere, and it's like sweet. But then you drink too much of it. And then you create this, you know, you, you don't th think of it like you would do in a marathon where you're like, well, I only can only take in, you know, one bottle, or, you know, two gels an hour, say. But because you, you get hot, you're just drinking these, you know, these drinks with a ton of calories in. And then I just gave myself GI distress and I was over the hot and just, yeah, I was like... <laughs> Pulled the plug, which which frustrated me because it's a really cool race and the trails are amazing and you like you get to run around the whole of Hong Kong Island, Hong Kong and all the islands, but it's super super hard. And I think that it's it's this is a good one, like in terms of time constraint and like cutoffs and things like that. That making those sorts of things making races hard because it's you're you know obviously you're thinking that for that ferry is so far ahead of you when you start that you kind of you you worry about it the whole time like yeah, yeah, yeah. i think it's like 230 kilometers or something like that is the ferry so you've got to get all the way there and obviously you the wheels will will and do fall off several times for most competitors and then yeah if you don't make it this one's got everything it's got you know the terrain it's got tons and i think it's got something like fifteen thousand meters of climbing it's got humidity it's got a horrible cutoff time it's got this the transport between the the trails. It's got everything. I think it sounds amazing. And again, I don't think enough people know about it. Yeah, I think it's like a real classic that's like un, like very much under the radar. Yeah, and like it's even got like an like and I love the the sort of spirit of the Barclay marathons and things. But they, you know, you don't get anything at the end, and that's and that kind of appeals yeah. to me. But this has got you kiss the this uh, greeny blue phone box, um, and not phone box, uh, post box like a colonial um, post box that's at the end. And it's like this beautiful, like bluey green color. And it's, so it's got this sort of a little bit like Spartathlon or something like where you kiss the foot of Leonidas. It's got this thing at the end as well. So it's got all of the, the ingredients for like a truly epic hard race that, that kind of, kind of ticks all the boxes. I think, I think the one thing about it is 60 hours was the thing and they had a film breaking 60, but somebody's got Ooh. under 50 hours. You're always going to get someone, aren't you? You're always going to get someone. <laughs> it's always that guy. <laughs> right, James, hit us with number, uh, number four. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. 
so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Number Well, we 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 touched on it and I think it's it's good right to have it in there, the spine. Which is legendary, legendary race. Um, winter spine, clarify. The winter spine, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the Pennine Way is a beautiful bit of trail, but I think the the spine, and it's a race I never want to do. I've skipped, every time I see a film, I'm like, no. it's one of those. Either, either there's a few now, and they've always got Damien Hall in it because he's a legend. Yeah. But um, but they're always like, why the hell would you put yourself through that? Thing? I can tell Rick wants to do it just from his face. No, I, no, I, I don't actually. But I'm, I'm, I think it's it's this is probably where conditions i think if you were looking at the list this is this is we say conditions are almost the thing that makes that the most hard where you're like almost arctic conditions often there's going to be there's going to be loads of wind there's going to be snow um it's a long way isn't it 268 miles i think um and yeah all those things are are against you and i think also it's single stage isn't it so you don't have to stop you know obviously you do but you there's no kind of cut off or absolutely and i think that's one of the thing criteria for me that changes the race's dif- difficulty. So going back to M- MDS, Marathon de Saab, which is always, you know, billed as in the hyperbole as the hardest race in the world. If they didn't, if, people, if you couldn't have a, if you didn't have a tent at the end of the day and the clock stopping, I agree, it would be, you know, it would be up there in the hardest race. But, you, you know, that there's an element of, if you have to, if the clock doesn't stop, you don't, you can stop yourself, obviously, but then the time continues. And that is that pressure to not sleep, not rest because the clock continues to carry on. It makes things much, much harder. But the idea of doing a marathon, even if you have to carry a bit of your own food, and then laying down in a tent and looking after and looking after yourself is, is a dream compared to when I've done, for instance, the Speed Project this year, where I slept in derelict buildings and wild in a in a bivy. You know, that the clock didn't stop. So the whole time I'm sleeping, I'm thinking, I don't really want to sleep too much because I the clock's not, you know, clock's still running. And to some extent, I realised, uh, you know, middle of that, that it didn't really matter whether I was going to be, you know, three or four hours quicker or four, you know, it doesn't, it wasn't, it's not that sort of race with, it's not on my list because it's, there isn't really a time limit to getting it done. But I think once you do that, once you make these things non-stop, like going back to the spine, it makes it hard because the impetus on you is not to slow and, or not to stop, to keep moving at all costs. And that race, I think that original film that Damien did, where people are, They've got like a foot, a lump of ice the size of a football on each foot, <laughs> you know, where, they, where the, the laces have got caught, got snow in them, and then the snow's attached to more snow, and it's got cold, and there's water going up waterfalls 
I just looked at that and I was like, no, no, no. That's, that's, that. I've got way too few small amount of body fat and, and, a, and a lack of tolerance for that level of cold that I'll get like six hours in and be like, I'm done. Do you, do you think, James, for that reason, that a single stage is why you might choose it as a harder than something like the Dragon's Back, which in terms of terrain is probably more challenging and navigation probably more challenging as well? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the minute you can sleep somewhere and the clock's stopped and the pressure's off you, that, that's, that's a huge difference. Um, and just that sim- simplicity of, be, of, be, of being able to, because most of these single stage ones, there's not, even if there's a life station, there's usually something in the races, but they, you know, they're not, they're pretty, they're pretty basic. <laughs> when, I did, yeah. when, when I did Gobi 400 in, in China, there was, there were a tent and you had hot and cold water and there was cover over your head, but you know, they weren't, they weren't luxurious. Um, and the clock continued to tick. So, you know, maybe you make, if you make them luxurious and the clock's ticking, people stay too long. But, but I think that's one of the criteria: does the clock continue to, is there a, is there a finality? Is there a cutoff time? Is there a time when you, if you pass that, you don't finish officially? And does the clock continue to tick when you're sleeping? Yeah, I think that's good. That makes a lot of sense, I think. Right, so what's the, what's the final one then? Uh, the, well, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it because I mean, everyone knows the Barclay Marathons, but I think the Barclay Marathons should be on there because, you know, it's the race that, what's they call the race that eats its young. You know, that, yeah. that, that race yeah. is, you know, half, three people finished this year, but for many, many years, people don't finish. So that's got to be the hardest race in the world. Again, the, there, is a, there is a cut-off time. There isn't, the, the clock doesn't stop in between laps. And from what I gather, from people I've spoken to have done it, you know, it's just no route, scrambling through brambles and up steep slopes. And, and like my, again, I love running, but that's just hell. And yeah. for that reason. And mentally taxing as well, isn't it? Mentally taxing. You're gonna, you, know, you can easily get turned around. Everything, everything looks the same. Um, it's featureless. And, you know, you have to get a book and you know <laughs> it's just weird it's just yeah, and that's it and when you get to the end you know you're called a finisher thanks very much go home yeah, and, yeah. but I mean, that's the brilliance of it and but it's been done to death so it's it's on my list but tangentially so my final one which is a bit of a cheat but i think it's it should it's worth a mention is the red bull x alp oh do you know this is that thing? the vertical climb that's not the one where you just have to run up the the, the ski slope thing is it no, I mean those those are yeah. pretty hard, right? But I feel like that you, everyone does yeah, them true. because yeah. you know you can you don't, if it takes you an hour and a half, you still get it. <laughs> it's true. Um, red Red Bullet. It's a little bit of a cheat because okay, you you get they fly and they what? run and they I know but it's, that's why I want to bring it in because I need to go what um, on every year uh, and they it's hike run fly and they cover something like two and a, I think it's a thousand kilometers distance point to point as a crow flies, but across the Alps. How are you flying? How are you flying? Oh, like a wind. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a, one of those new, they're very, it's just got very popular in Europe now, is the, the small para sending parachutes that you can put up and, and fly off top of mountains. It's getting really, it's really popular with the North Face athletes, some of the runners and, the, and mountain athletes who are there, because they can often, and it's more popular maybe in skiing, where you can, instead of having a very treacherous, uh, route to some some peak somewhere for this crazy downhill couloir they now fly in and it takes them hours rather than days and it's potentially safer but they do a race red bull of course and it's totally nuts and they some of them they will run 30 or 40 kilometers with a backpack with the wing in it and then they'll fly maybe 100 kilometers 
Uh, and they do that for two, for two, for two and a half, three weeks. I need to Google the suit because I'm picturing one of those little. It's not a wingsuit. It's not like it's not, no. no, it's not a wingsuit, but it's but it is a small it's a small wing. The like, like a hang like glider. A, yeah, like a hang glider, like a, like a like a um, a bigger version of what they use for kite surfing. Oh, you know that right. sort of kite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, yeah, yeah. but they're very lightweight. They weigh like two or three kilos now. They're they're pretty small, and they pack them in a backpack. But then some years the weather's bad. And so they run a lot more than they fly. And when the good years, when the when the weather's better, they fly more than they run. But it takes two and a half, three weeks. They're not allowed to fly at night. So obviously, which would make a lot of sense. But it's still totally insane. Um, totally off the off the grid, um, you know, craziness. And I, I know it's cheating because they fly. But it's worth a mention. No, that's why I like that. Just, yeah, just, I mean, that's, good. So that's you, good. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally mad and totally brilliant in my mind that there's people doing these crazy things and it's actually made me want to learn to to fly one of those little kite things because it looks pretty cool i mean the idea of running like running like one of those like proper little ridge edge like trails and getting right to the summit of something and being like surrounded and then just knowing you've got the means to just fly off the top that sounds exciting yeah and then that's why it's getting popular in in europe in particular because you know, people are pushing, who are pushing the boundaries of running and hiking and skiing in the winter can actually use these things to access things uh, and get down. And, and maybe it's, it's actually, you know, the flying itself is not that safe, but it's you know, potentially safer than the, the, uh, the problems with glaciers and the problems with, you know, long, long hikes in and things. But as a race concept, absolutely insane. Um, yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Lo- love it. Look, the, the the alternative list, the the overhype list. So we've got we've got marathon de Sables on there. Um, I, I think I think anything by Tough Mother, and it's the same rhetoric. Like, are you t- are you tough enough? Are you too tough for a marathon? James is logging off. Wish it was a video uh, podcast rather than because people would see my, me putting my hands in my face, going. I mean, it's, do you know what? Thinking about these things, though, it, you know, it's all well and good. We've picked these races. You know, they're ridiculously hard and people are probably listening. Going, well, what's, the, what's the point? I'm never going to do these things. But I do think that things like Tough Mudder and things like Marathon de Saab, if you can afford it, and that's one of the big issues I have issues I have with it, it's just like £5,000 or something, um, is that they are the, you know, these, these are the extreme levels of doing something crazy. That doesn't mean that people shouldn't think I could do something, that, that might inspire me to do something a bit harder. So if, you, if people have done a London, London marathon or a marathon in the last few weeks or the next few weeks, you know maybe the, that might these things that are super crazy might inspire them to do fifty kilometres or something. It's all it's all relative to where you start, and you know if you've done a lot of marathons and lots of ultras, then you you know potentially I guess you're always looking for something that scratches an itch. And these I look at some of these things, I think oh yeah, you know how how could I? But also I think how could I get to the point where I'm ready to do that? And so it's I mean to take something or people take something away rather than just these crazy races is, you know, the adventure is only as simple as going left when you, out of your front door when you always go right. And if some of these things, you look, people look at these things and, and go, oh, that's cool, but it's crazy. Well, you know, find something that's a little bit crazy for you and give it a go. And it doesn't need to be 500 kilometers. It could be 50 if you've done a marathon. It could be a trail race if you've done, if you've only done road. It could be, you know, it could be, whatever going going in that little park that bit of, that bit of woods at the end of the road that you you always walk past and or run past and never go in you know it, it, adventure begins everywhere and 
but sometimes looking at the most crazy things is a good way to, to be because if people if people can do this and I, and, I, and I've done the speed project a couple of times and that's 300 miles and I've done the one in the Gobi Desert and that's not far from 300 miles and but I'm just a regular runner I mean okay I've been doing it a long time but in London so I'm not you know I'm not living somewhere crazy appropriate but I just spent the time over the years doing the sports that give me the the, maybe the mindset and the and the and, I, and I'm not the you know the, the poster boy for this at all. There's people out there. You know, Damien Hall is a good, good example. We've mentioned him a couple of times. He, of a guy who has a family and works and does those things and does crazy. You know, they've got the spine on our list. Super hard races and goes out there and wins it. So, and did Barkley marathons this year and managed four four loops. So, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's, it's you know, it's not to be put off by these things. We're not sniffing at shorter distances. But and, and the long ones might seem ridiculously out of touch, but actually they're just maybe, you know, that people don't look at. I mean, people look at Everest without, without nearly, you know, any desire to climb it, but it's still pretty inspiring, right? And it might make you want to go up Scarfield Pike or, or you know, do the three peaks in the UK and and obviously not go in the death zone, which you know sounds pretty terrible. But um, but you know, so that's that's really you know I think about these things. It's great to talk about the the crazies. But then you've got to put me in context, otherwise, what's the what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that there's? Do you think that there's? On a final point, do you think there's any like, what what's the stopping point? Obviously, now people are climbing up stuff and flying off the top of them. Do yeah. you think that? And people are doing a thousand miles in and in Alaska and these sorts of things. Like, what is? What's the tipping point? When do you think it will? It, it is it just going to be the the boundary of what's people are what people are capable of, and that's it? Or is it just think that that's not even a thing? I guess so. More, more and more people are doing it. So, you know, again, it's all about th- these things pushing the the limits of physical, you know, human ability. Uh, and, and it's not on, sort of on my list, but, but but not. But all of those long, there is particularly popular in the US. The long distance trails. We, you know, Rick and I exchanged messages before us about saying we wouldn't ca- count FKTs really because think you know, they, but they are hard. You know, there's but because it's got to be ridiculous FKTs because it, it can you know there are the Bob Graham rounds and the Paddy Buckleys and. And the ones that I was thinking of particularly are like the Appalachian Trail in the US, which is like over 2,000 miles. And the PCT is, again, the same sorts of um, distances. And those things are, you know, are now more and more popular and more and more people and doing them at 50 miles a day. And I think there's somebody uh, currently trying to break the record for, I think, for the uh, race running across America currently. And those things are super, super hard, but many, many days. I don't know. I mean... It's, I sort of because we've seen it in cycling a lot, haven't we? People running around the the world in riding their bikes around the world in X days and then less days and less days. And I guess we're, maybe we're seeing that sort of thing in in running in, in the same way. And I mean, you know, to your back to your point, slight point about is it running or is it walking? No one ever criticizes a cyclist when they ride around the world. If they were, are they? They're always riding, right? Are you always pedaling? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. a bit like I know you. I know Ben, you're a big cycling yeah. fan, but like, so it feels a bit. It feels a bit wrong to criticise races to be if you do a lot of walking. Yeah, no, for sure. It's just can you get the thing right? Can you get to the end of the mm. of the that time that thing in the time, or can you set a new record mm. walking? If you can, then do it. You know, it's like uh, I think it's just about movement as much as it is about. The categories of let's not get into are you a runner if you walk? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Because, oh, that, that, that'll be we'll be in big trouble. I mean, quite related. clearly you are. I mean, <laughs> I'm going. Of course it is. Yeah, um, James. If, if people want to find out more about your adventures, long and long and short, um, where can they go? 
they could they could there's not much about my current run um from uh, la to vegas because i haven't got around to doing it but uh they can certainly see that there's a film on my uh run from la to vegas as part of the speed project on currently hosted on the north faces website which is super nice or put it in youtube it's called solace s-o-l-i-s uh or if they follow me on instagram at james d pool there's a link to that on my profile but it's a cool it's called 12 if you've got 12 minutes of your time of your life that you don't mind losing um watching it's a brilliant film I know. it's actually it's a genuinely brilliant film it's great watching me just go you look it's hot so battered at the end like it, 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 i mean there's just, it just you can really like if there was a if there was ever, ever sort of like a i don't know a defining moment of like how incredibly hard some of these things are when you're sitting under that sign and you've got like tourists just milling around and you're just there like oh my god well this year there wasn't any tourists because i got in in the middle of the, you know two o'clock yeah. in the morning and and obviously i hadn't slept i hadn't I slept wild so i probably looked worse this year um and and, and it, it snowed and it last year was hot and i in the film i just go oh my god it's hot it's like a laser the sun's like a laser i think that's, i said that numerous times uh, this year it snowed, it rained. I wore down jacket and trousers for a large proportion of the of the trip, um, and I fortunately bought an REI poncho in the like the twelve hours before I started running. And I said to anyone, no one take a photo of me in this because I never want to see anyone knowing me looking so so unstylish as I look right now in brownie black. Uh, uh, top with a hole cut in the top. So yeah, you won't see any of those photos, but yeah, wild much more wild than uh, than last year james thanks so much for for your time coming on the podcast always great to chat to you thank you thanks guys take care so that brings us to the end of this week's runners world podcast thanks very much to our guest james paul and to you of course for listening let us know what you think about the list we came up with i'm sure there's some that we've left out um let us know uh, podcast at runnersworld.co.uk uh, you can subscribe to three issues of runners world for just five pounds head to uh runnersworld.com slash uk slash podcast offer to find that offer that's the best one for you and uh you know just just have a nice little mosey around the website while you're there there's some great stuff on it lots of training stuff uh training plans training features shoe reviews you need new shoes of course you do we've got them all have a look um and listen to the podcast on acast itunes all your favorite podcast apps just search run of the world uk and please do subscribe thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week 